Welcome to Writing Works Wonders, Advancing Beyond Barriers, where we celebrate skill building and community among authors who are visually impaired through this interactive podcast series. Your co-hosts are Cheryl McNeil Fisher and Dr. Kathy King. I'm Dr. Kathy King, an author, editor, coach, and workshop leader. I've been a professor of adult learning and instructional technology for 25 plus years, and in retirement, I'm enjoying consulting and writing. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I've been speaking internationally for over 25 years to audiences of all ages on living with and working through challenges. I'm the author of seven early chapter children's books and just finished a memoir with a 95-year young lady. What a fabulous experience writing with and for someone to finish this project. I look forward to doing it with others in the future. I have two series with new releases coming out soon and many works in progress. Thank you again for joining us on Writing Works wonders. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Kathy King, and we're going to be talking about lessons learned through our interviews with New York Times bestselling author Jody Thomas and our interview with award-winning voiceover actor Kristen Allison. We are also going to play a little game at the end, so stay tuned. Let's get started, Dr. Kathy. It's an exciting day here at Writing Works Wonders. We have some new developments with the podcast. You can, as usual, access our show notes, this episode and others at www.writingworkswonders.com, but we'll have some other notes for you as we move along. If you did not hear the interviews that we conducted with Jody Thomas and Kristen Allison, you want to be sure to visit the website for those episodes that will provide added value to this one. And the exciting news begins with Writing Works Wonders is now available not only here, but also on the website and Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many other podcast apps. However, the biggest news is regarding Lady A. You can hear the currently posted episode of Writing Works Wonders at any time by saying, Lady A, play the podcast Writing Works Wonders. And if you want to hear a specific episode, just say, Lady A, play episode two or three of podcast Writing Works Wonders. The small trick is this. You need to say, play the podcast. Otherwise, Lady A thinks she's looking for music to play. If you have any questions about how to retrieve our prior episodes or access show notes, email us at writingworkspodcast at gmail.com. When you're listening to Jody Thomas talk about walking the land, And her thoughts about the way it impacts her and how she incorporates it and how she envisions her characters 
Some of them even come alive and speak to her. Did it have an impact in any way? What was your takeaway from that? So I I was thinking about the the whole walk in the land thing, and I'm not really surprised just because I, I did theater in college. One of the tactics that they teach us in theater is kind of like get into the spirit of your character, asking your character questions in your own mind and then like seeing what your mind comes up with. And whatever your mind comes up with, that's what your character would say or that's what your character would do. So you really got to get to know like each and every one of your characters, I believe, in theater and in in, uh, writing as well. And it just kind of helps with the creativity. So. It just kind of made me think about that. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sure. Jody also discussed using whiteboards to organize her character's history and traits. And we were talking about that, Cheryl and I were talking about that authors who are visually impaired would be limited in using this approach. But we had some other ideas as to how we would approach organizing character traits and histories of characters. And some of the ones we came up with included audio clips that we would record, notes on our phones. Cheryl and I were discussing the advantage of recording what we hear and documenting that because we can capture the emotion at the time. Also, in a Word doc or with pages, we might just list in a column or in bullets or paragraphs, however we want to just run through and quickly list some of the things that come to our mind with different characters or their history, their backstory, and develop those quickly, not to get in the way of our work, but to document them, record them, and be able to know that that's the identity of that character. Oh, this is Abby again. I was reading a book by Ron Francel, and I've forgotten the name of it, but in one of his chapters, he has a character sketch form. Well, you fill in the name, age, you know, other physical characteristics, their likes, dislikes, that kind of thing. And I've used that on a few of my characters in my, in my novel in progress. Very good. Yes. Those and sort of forms for character development. Yes. What just came to mind was how we have that document and mm-hmm. how I rearranged it. Kathy and I share a Google Drive folder. So we go back and mm. forth. And one of them is is uh, communications or whatever, that questions that we've asked each other or things we've talked about. And so what I did was I went back through and I put, the, instead of using title, because they come up so huge, it put subtitle. And when you do a table of contents, you pick what that's going to pick up. So with characters, say I, I had Abby and Sheila and Cheryl, if I had them listed up there, then anytime I thought about characteristics, I could go back, easily tap on that or click on it, and it takes you down to that character. Or it could be listing your places or, or whatever scenarios. But if you just put that first line, then you can easily get to them. Beginning of the page is going to have your table of contacts or index. It's like a hyperlink within the document. It jumps you to that section. Right. That would help you from having to scroll through to find the different pieces that you're looking for within that. That's a really good idea, Cheryl. We'll put the steps for that in the show note. I get a a star today. You get two stars for that. (laughs) Another thing that Jody mentioned, which might be a surprise, being a New York Times bestselling author of 50 books and more in process, 
is that she outsources editing and she disclosed her process of having somebody very integrally involved in her editing process and that someone participates that closely in the process and then others are involved further on down the line. Cheryl and I both know the importance of selecting editors based on genre and style. For instance, if you're doing fiction, nonfiction, or even dialogue is a specialty. Were you surprised that such an accomplished author uses an editor in this way? And what are your preferences or experiences with outsourcing editing? Well, this is Abby Taylor again, and I use uh, DLD books in Denver, Colorado, proofreading, editing, and then they also format my books for Amazon and Smashwords and other online retailers. And they're a great service. I've they published my last two books. They do wonderful work. I highly recommend them. Fabulous. So you have an all-in-one solution that you're using. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Other folks? Uh, this is Calvin. I, I think it's important. She, she said that she's good with storytelling, but she's not really good with grammar and the other things that that kind of go into writing. So, I mean, she can kind of concentrate on the the story and just get the story written and then like let somebody else concentrate on, is this uh, worded correctly or is is this going in the right order? And that way, not any one person has to concentrate on everything. How did that make you feel when you heard that? It made me feel good because... In the writing that I've done, sometimes like I'll write something, but then I'll, I'll start thinking about like, is this worded right? Or, or is this in the right order? Does this sound right? And then it can kind of kill the creative process or like make the creative process harder. So absolutely. Yes. I'm, I'm trying not to worry about those small things I'm, and just write. It just made me feel good to hear that, it was, that that such an accomplished author also has to do that. It's very freeing because part of what she's telling us is that the writing process is different from the editing process, isn't it? Yep. And that to let our creativity flow, let the writing happen, and then know that editing will happen at another time, not to be concerned with that. Right. Because you're absolutely right. It will stop us all up and get us tangled up and we'll lose track of the story. I felt that way at webinars last summer with Nikki. She's the editor of the Writer Magazine. She was mentioning at one point about when something happens, say a tragedy, when my niece died, that, that was one of the worst things that ever happened, even worse than my sight. I had stories in my head, but I couldn't put them down. I just couldn't put them down. Some people are like that. They need to process. They can't write it. When my dad died a couple of years ago, I verbally talked into something to put my, my thoughts down because I just couldn't write it. Yet other people can really get into writing about it right there in the moment. But I think it depends on you know how you're feeling. But the fact that she said that, as the editor of a magazine I've been listening to for years, it just made me feel I'm okay. Or when an mm-hmm. author says that she doesn't write every single day, but yet she'd be a better author if she did. Well, yeah, me too. I, I agree with that. But I don't, knowing that I'm not alone. I'm not, th- I know meeting other authors, talking to all of you here on the call, that we are not giving excuses to each other, reasons not to do anything, but what we're doing is encouraging each other and knowing that we are all unique. We all come at this differently. Kathy, 
is the <laughs> plotter and I am the creative. That's why it's important to mention this, continually reinforce this because it's not just for me to say it to you, but it's for me to hear it inside myself as well because we can be our worst critic. Courage, all of you. We all come at this differently. I hear two important things in that, Cheryl, that I think we are as a community here of writers. One is we're a community. We're different. We contribute different aspects. Our different points of view are really important. And that's why it's so wonderful when we contribute together and different people talk on our calls and we get their vantage points. And the other is the importance of validation. That when we hear an accomplished author say, yeah, I should write every day, but I don't. Or, yeah, I, I just am not good at spelling. It's validation that we don't have to be perfect at every aspect of the craft. And it's fine. It is wise to outsource certain aspects of our writing process and the business of publishing. That is a wise use of our time. That's validating. And that's really critical. Another aspect of what she talked about was the way that she uses readers, the feedback of her readers. And we were thinking of beta readers as well. And we could do a whole episode on this probably, but do some of you folks incorporate reading feedback from other people before you publish? And how do you go about doing that? Well, this is Abby Taylor. I belong to a group that meets weekly. We call ourselves Explorations in Creative Writing. A few people will send are working on projects and they will send a piece to our email list, a part of a chapter, whatever. And then when we get when we meet on Saturday mornings, then we discuss those pieces and offer feedback. And that has really helped me with my last two books. You can get together with a, a group. Could be you don't have to be once a week, be once a month. But just some kind of a critique group, I highly recommend finding those, you know, that can be consistent and help with writing. Thank you so much, Abby. I was hoping somebody would mention that. (laughs) Excellent. Another strategy is with beta readers is that maybe from a group like that or from another source, you identify the group of people that would be your potential audience and select a few of them that you would ask to read your book before it goes to publication, before it goes to press, and ask them to read the book and give you feedback. And then you could also target the feedback on certain areas and general feedback as well. But that would be a beta reader, very different from what Abby's doing, but for the targeted audience that you're trying to reach and can be very, very important. Well, I have a question about that because I've visited Abby again. Um, I have a friend who is blind and who offer, who reads young adult novels, and that's what I'm working on. She said when I was finished with it, if I wanted her to, she could read it, but I thought I should probably pay her. For that, what is, do you know any idea what the going rate is for beta readers? How much reasonable to, to offer to pay them, you know, for reading per, per page or per hour or what? It entirely varies as to whether it's an individual that does that professionally or not. I would go online and check to okay. see what the rates are, because if there's somebody that does it professionally, that would be one thing. If they don't, that'd be another. Okay. That's a very good question because that is a big investment of time. I actually thought you were going to ask me a different question, Abby. You might ask me a question about copyright because when you put your book out there, here's the entire book you're handing over to somebody. You've got to put your copyright on that and make clear that this is not for release. All rights are reserved. This is copyrighted Mm -hmm. by you. Have them sign a non-disclosure when you hand that book over to them. That's what I would do. 
I come from an academic background, so I'm used to making sure that things are done in a way that you are protected and that you make sure it's documented. So I might be a little bit more traditional in my approaches. That's the way my field has been. I tend to err on the side of being cautious. So I tend to do non-disclosures and have agreements with people, etc., in order to not have confusion that could tarnish relationships in the future. Okay. Yeah, I'm interested in that with the next interview and I'm sure there's documentation that they've all signed and shared, um, well, not only for copyright, but for their distribution, financial distribution and how that is delegated. Because when you have several, many people, when I think about all these authors working together, 29 book, and they're still doing it. great. And it's two series of 27 and 29 books. To me, that's amazing. That's great that it's protecting ourselves. And that's it. You know, when someone else is reading our stuff, they've obviously found successful ways to not Mm -hmm. only communicate, but to collaborate, Mm -hmm. right? To have such a long run. And that's very important in the things that we're talking about here as well. Mm -hmm. So if we're ready, we can move on to the Kristen Allison interview. Kristen was asked, someone said, don't you think that it would be difficult for a blind person to be a voiceover narrator? And when she answered that, she mentioned the noise, microphones picking up every noise, even her growling stomach. So I'm thinking she's imagining 11 by 11 Braille pages. When she was asked that question, don't you think, she she responded with, I would think it would be difficult, whatever her words were. So when someone else came on at the end and mentioned how she does it all the time and that they are able to do it. And Kristen said, awesome. I think it was enlightening for her because she didn't know. And what she also said was she took drama and everything. But I don't know if you if you caught it, that somebody asked her about being in the booth. And she said, yes, it's all glass, but she tries to hide. So I felt like she's a person who loves what she does, but doesn't want to do it on stage. And she does it very well. I think that's part of listening, too. I'm just very grateful that she came and we could all be enlightened by her feelings of what she's doing. And that now she has all of our voices knowing that she is making a difference because I really felt it's not just a job for her, but how lucky she is that she's got a job that she absolutely loves. It's just neat that we've been bringing these people into our lives for so many years and then to be able to meet her, to have her with us. And when she mentioned reading cold, I thought, I'm not a Braille reader, but even when I was, when I read visually, I would have to practice And she's been doing it for a long time. What insights did you folks have about the interview? What did you learn about the narrating process? Like I said last week, I was just fascinated by everything she said because and she read my book. And I, I, so I was kind of starstruck too, especially when it was somebody who actually read something I wrote out loud. You know, and, and one thing I think is kind of neat. It's always a good idea if you can. To have somebody else read your work out loud, because then it kind of gives you a whole new perspective on mm. that piece of work. 
Yeah. That's a very good point. I, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea to have somebody else read your workout. Loud. I also think it's a good idea for you to read your workout loud as well. Mm-hmm. And if you read your work, there's your perspective. If somebody else reads your work, there's their perspective. There's going to be some slight differences, even if you might pronounce a word one way and somebody else might pronounce a word another way. You Absolutely. Kathy, would you like to share about the book you read on Bard about? I had almost finished at that point reading this fabulous book on Bard that I'd highly recommend. The Untold Story of the Talking Book. It's DB87099, and it's by Matthew Ruberry. And it was published in 2016, so it's pretty current. The Untold Story of the Talking Book. She refers to part of that history when she was talking about that when she started her career, they were more confined to the text. They weren't supposed to dramatize it at all. And that now there are narrators that dramatize it much more than she does, but she stays more closely to the text. So is this about talking book narrators for NLS or is it about any you know, audiobook narrators in general? It's about the whole history of talking books from the beginning, how it started, but it's particularly about the movement for the visually impaired. Yes, it's it's very interesting. And it's a very, believe it or not, contested history. There was a lot of pushback Mm -hmm. from the publishing field and from the literary field about having books recorded and distributed. A little known fact, here's a piece of trivia. Um, Thomas Edison, when he developed the phonograph, one of his first imaginations for that was that there would be phonograph records for books to be audio recorded. And he did actually record some. That was part of the original vision. So of course, we moved from phonograph records to cassettes to now we have digital downloads and Braille and Braille displays, etc. But I highly recommend that to you. You'd be amazed at the contested history, the developments, the ins and outs. And she filled in the personal side and the details of what it's like in the recording booth and the whole process and developing for that career. I really appreciated that aspect of it. On our website, we're building additional resources for authors, and you can find not only this episode and others, but we're going to have some additional resources and new features for the Writing Works Wonders series there. And these are going to be short author clinic episodes, and they're going to be bonus episodes. We also now have the capability for you to sign up for reminders of the show and have the link directly sent to your email inbox. Is that the Zoom link, you mean? Yes. So what you do is you go to our website to be able to get that. You'll see up on the right-hand side a button that says subscribe. You click that and you'll get information about subscribing to the email alerts. And you'll also see information about subscribing via your podcast feed, etc. So there's Mm -hmm. a couple of ways. But the email alerts is being able to get the Zoom information for this show, upcoming episodes, etc. And of course, you can um, unsubscribe at any time. What is that web address again? www.writingworkswonders.com. Thank you for asking. Okay, let's start this game off with there's been a murder. (laughs) Come on, Kathy, you can start us off. (laughs) <laughs> if my granddaughter did this to me which she does at bedtime she throws the beginning of a story at me and Gigi okay. that's me is supposed to fill it in yeah, and yeah. and so okay if she said there's been a murder 
because she's a master detective. Then yeah. my little dog is her assistant and he's okay. Cody, the assistant detective. And okay. Cody would be running up and dragging a body behind him and saying, here's the body. So then they'd have to figure out where it was from and what had happened. And in this case, probably it'd be a cowboy that had fallen off his horse and shown up in the middle of a city. And now they had to find the horse to chase down where they came from. <laughs> Hi, Abby. There we go. Okay, I tell you what, if somebody came into a room and said there's been a murder, my first thought would be, well, call 911. <laughs> 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 what if we say, we are authors, we're going to brainstorm now. So what if I say, no, no, we can't. We've got to, no, no, let's let's figure this out. we got to figure out what happened first or or before the police get here. Let's go check it out. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of, so it's so, all uh, about context. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can yeah. hear things and it, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean anything. So if you were right. to, to run in and say, somebody's been murdered, I'd say, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, you heard somebody screaming, you murderer, down the block. Okay. Yeah. Well, who was screaming? A little lady. Um, okay, that's probably Mrs. Campbell. Uh, let me give her a call and find out what happened. So I call Mrs. Campbell and I'd say, are you all right? And she'd say, yes. But, but my poor Fluffy was murdered. <laughs> Fluffy was murdered? <laughs> yes. Um, I was just putting him out to get a little sunshine in his cage. And that awful tomcat next door knocked the cage over and swallowed him down. And, and my hamster's gone. There you go. Do any of you have traditions of families telling bizarre stories, like having standard names that like, maybe your mom, dad, or grandparent told these stories about these characters? Mm-hmm. The, name, the names that I use in the stories I tell my granddaughter are Yimich and Yilab. And that's my two sons' names backwards, Jimmy and Billy. Ah. And she's figured it out. So it's her dad and her uh-huh. uncle. And uh-huh. so she always want the story, wants the stories about Yimage and Yillab, and we make them up together. So Cheryl, I find I exercise a lot of my fun creativity doing these stories with my granddaughter, creating these stories. And she just has a blast doing it. My son is an author, and so she's surrounded with creativity. And she has a very vivid imagination. It might be easy, but I think youngsters under 10 have very vivid imaginations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times what happens is when we are young and little, we have that freedom, that imagination. We, we're free to, as little children. You're not put down for your imagination. That people think it's cute. They think, mm-hmm. uh, but then as you get older, the reality of life sets in, and then some of these, the little cuteness goes out and they're expected whatever you know there's so many different dynamics that start to whittle away at the creativity with inside of us and that imagination that's why it's great that you do that with your granddaughter and finding ways to do that creative stuff and imagination i know when i do my children's books I have a blast. I will sit and be typing and laughing and laughing my butt off and thinking, oh, this is just too much. I just, these characters are too funny. <laughs> 
so I can have a party right inside my head all by myself. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> it can carry over into our other writing as well if we're exercising that creativity with family, with friends, with a group like this. And I think that's what you're trying to get us to do is get those literary muscles working, that imagination exercise, so that when we sit down to write, yes, a Kathy, flow. that's what this is all about encouraging and inspiring writers. We are writers helping writers. And I hope today that you have found the wonder in writing. Until next time, my friends, keep on writing. Thank you for joining us today at Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to be with you. Now tap or click on that button that says subscribe so that you will not miss our show. There's also a link right there for you to click or tap on that'll take you directly to our show notes where you'll find everything that we just talked about. You can go to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com and our email is writingworkspodcast.gmail.com. We hope that you feel encouraged and inspired. We want you to feel and know the wonder in writing. Until next time, keep on writing.